Today's message is entitled, Ignored in Your Own World. Ignored in Your Own World. And notice underneath it says, Expect Rejection. And this little boy is looking at the whole world on the map, trying to understand and figure out where he will fit in. But as he enters that world, he's young and he's got many years ahead of him. That young man is going to undeniably meet with rejection time and time again. But today I want to intimate with the fall of rejection comes the rise of reception. Watch this. With the fall that comes with rejection, rejection has a negative connotation and with rejection comes a fall. There is a rise that comes with reception. So there's something that happens to you when people reject you, but there's always, there's also something that happens when people receive you. So today we'll learn that when we go out into this world, we're going to have to learn to deal with rejection. And we'll learn that there is an amazing power that comes with the gift of being received. Uh, Don't miss this. This is the dynamic of rejection and reception. No one wants to go into the world to be rejected. But deep down, all of us want to be received for who we really and truly are. Is that right? But before we get there, we will have to learn from our rejections. The salesman learns that many doors slam before you get your first sale. And only the strong survive. People quit every day because of their many rejections. People don't last long enough to experience the power of the reception. I can remember applying for jobs and rejection letter after rejection letter turned my spirits down. That with rejection there comes a falling And I had to remind myself, though, that I sent out 50, 100, 100 or so resumes. You should expect rejection letters. You get what I'm saying? I had to tell myself that you should expect to be rejected. You sent out a plethora of resumes. And I also remembered, though, I don't need a yes from the 100. All I need is a yes from one. And... You know, I'm not, I mean, we're not looking for the reception of everybody. I mean, it's not, it's not likely that the whole world is going to like us and receive us. We're just learning how to look for the reception 
of the one. One each day. You get what I'm saying? One each event, right? One from each relationship. One from Tuesday. One from Wednesday. So we give ourselves to many. We give ourselves to a lot more than who actually receives us. But we ought to be thankful for the one who says yes. And what we'll notice is that those ones start to add up. Are you tracking? So we don't live our lives to be received by the majority, but yet we learn this constant reciprocity of this rejection and reception, and we're learning to get one in at a time. So in today's lesson, we're going to learn about rejection and reception and what it feels like to be ignored in your own world. Ooh, man. Anyone, please don't start crying in this one. This, this, is, <laughs> this might get you down in the gut. I told you we're going down on the inside. So anyone who is planning to be a person of action, as we've been preaching from 2022, as 2022 has instructed us, we will meet with rejection. And we must be prepared for that. So I'm saying we preach the family business and then we preach the action that we had to do. And now I'm warning you that when you go out to act for God, you will be rejected. So let's look at today's text. See what it has to say. In St. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 14, it says, talking about Jesus, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This text clearly intimates that Jesus was ignored by his own world. First, I want to talk about what it means to be living in your own world. How does humanity fit in a world that was created for it? Now, watch this. If we look at Genesis, I'm still there, Ben. Yes, I am. If we look at the beginning of Genesis, we see that God created the world first. Then he created man and put man in it. Ah, you're going to miss it. 
So humanity lives in a world, a world that we must deal with that sometimes may ignore us. How do we live in a world that was created for us, but it ignores us? Look at this. Point number one, I want to talk about living in your own world. What does it mean to live in your own world and why does that matter? Shana, question posed to you. (laughs) We've all heard this phrase, living in your own world. You living in your own world. We've heard that, right, Shana? Or we say that, uh, we say that because Our world is familiar to us. When people are tripping or acting like they're the only ones in their world, we say, you in your own world. Or how about about the colloquial? Let's use the Ebonic form. It's your world, dog. It's your world, dog. In other words, what we're saying is, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's your world. I'm not in it. I'm I'm not in it. My name is Bennett and I'm not in it. What it means is, it means the world is unique and distinct to you. And all of us exist in a world in some capacity where it is unique and distinct to us. And this, in this world, we feel loved, we, we feel received and believed in. So all of us have this world, we, the world that comes with a family, it comes with a neighborhood. It comes with an upbringing. It's our world. But what if you came home? Lou, Lou, this is for you. What if you came home one day and the people in your own city and family no longer knew who you were, nor did they believe you when you tried to explain to them you are their sister, their brother, their boss, or friend, or whatever. Imagine coming home to your mother's house, and you walk in the door, and all the family is there, and nobody knows who you are. So you start pulling out pictures, Lou. You start pulling up memories. You start showing uh, a gift you got for Christmas. You say, Mama, you gave me this toy. And nothing you show them, nothing you remind them of causes them to accept or acknowledge your existence. And you're standing there in your own world and no one knows who you are. This is what Jesus experienced when he finally met his world. Yes, it was his world. And it is still his world. So when we say it's your world, dog, we should be saying inversely, it's your world, God. Change that D around with the G. Let me explain this a little further. When we talk about the world, the text, the word in the the word for world in the Greek is termed as cosmos. And in verse 10, we see that there are two usages of the same word. So in one sense, the first aspect of the word is that it refers to things in the world that have been created. It is created things like the moon, the stars, the streets, the trees, the mountains, etc. So when we talk about living in a world, 
We're talking about living in a world that has created things. But in the second sense, the world means the intellectual world, the intellectual beings. So we talk about the world, the cosmos means the intellectual world or rather mankind. The world has un living things like mountains and streets and rocks, but it also has mankind. Here we go back again to understanding humanity. I can't seem to get off of it. So let's see how this plays out because the world exists in two capacities, that which is living and that which isn't. And God created both. So God created the things that don't live and he created the things that are intellectual. So when God enters this world, and I'm bringing this out so you recognize the gravity of his being ignored. So when God enters into this world, which he created with both capacities, neither one of them received him. Ah, Listen to what I'm talking about. Let's go to the text. The text says in John 1 verse 10, we have to deal with this reality that humanity fits in the world. Verse 10 says he was in the world. That's where he is. He was in the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. So my first point was living in your own world, learning to find a place in your own world. And Tabitha, we've got to learn how to find our place in our own world, but understand that the very people that we call family and friends and loved ones will somehow reject us. Let's dig a little deeper into that thought by analyzing the text further. The text said he was in the world. It means that you exist in something, that humanity is in the world. You've heard that whole old phrase the church members used to say, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That's not our origin, but we are in the world, which means we have to learn how to function and operate in a world that is not necessarily godly. And Christians oftentimes get upset with government and Congress and national uh, uh, responses. And we think that everyone in the world practices Christianity. They don't. Everyone in the world does not believe in the Bible. Every senator or congressman does not practice what we believe. So we cannot expect the world to respond the way we would ask, uh, never mind. So we all have a world in which we live. And each world in which we live has its own set of rules conducive to our own familiarity. A world we all want to love us. A world in which we've built friendships where people know us and they believe in us and they receive us and we take it for granted. 
We assume that every day we come home, our family will know who we are. The world we live in, we want connection to it. As a human, I need to connect with something. God, hear me, Latanya. I hope somebody's listening. But it's even worse when you yourself created the perfect world for you to live in and it doesn't even receive you. How about you pick the perfect mate? You had the perfect child. You got the perfect job. You created this world that is perfect for you and one day girlfriend you wake up and the world you built no longer acknowledges you god am i talking to anybody today Listen, humanity is in a world, and even when Jesus was being formed, he still was in a world. He was in the world of Mary's womb. I'm trying to get you to see that no matter where you are in life, you exist in somebody's world. We're always in some kind of world, and in that world, whatever it is, we want to be received, not rejected. That's why we talk to the baby that's in the womb. We, how, how you doing? We want the baby to feel received and not rejected. So imagine Jesus. Watch this now. Imagine Jesus walking on the earth, breathing his own air. The air he created, treading his own ground, living off what he created for other people, and he was being rejected by his own surroundings. The place that for the next 33 years he was supposed to call home. <laughs> this world of familiarity, the world of places, spots, nooks and coves, rivers and mountainsides, seas and fields, cottages and terrain, all would say it doesn't know who he is. All the feeling of creating something that rejects you. Oh, how it destroys your feelings and emotions. Imagine going to your favorite restaurant with your mate and she doesn't remember the first time you went there. But it wasn't just the world of things that rejected God. The mountain didn't know him. The, the road didn't know him. The air didn't know him. It wasn't just the created things that weren't alive, but it was the world of mankind. The world of people rejected him. Even Peter denied him three times and said, I don't know you. Funny what we disassociate with when it has impact on us. The intellect has rejected Jesus. So let's go to point number two. Point one was living in your own world, but number two we have to learn how to be rejected by the people in your own world. In other words, your own reason, the people with logic, 
the people who should be able to uh, recognize you with some sort of sensibility. They should have cogitation of, uh, of memories with you. So after learning what it means to live in your own world, now we must imagine what it feels like to be rejected by the people in the world you live in. So not only I'm okay. I'm not as bad that the car don't recognize me because it's not alive. But when I get in the car with my children, but my children don't respect me, uh, that's a different kind of hurt. I feel hurt. Never mind. You're not going to get it. It's people. It's people who reject us that seems to turn our intestines upside down. So John 1 verses 10 through 11 says this, and the world did not know him. The term is cosmos there. The world did not know him. But look then at verse 11. It says he came to his own, highlighted own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So watch this now. He was rejected by the people of his own world. So 10b says the world knew him not. Well, when we talk about knowledge, we're talking about intellect. So when the text says the world knew him not, then we're talking about the portion of the world that has intellectual capabilities. Knowledge speaks to intellect. So within our world of things is a mind. In our world of matter and material objects is thought, comes reason, and the most intelligible, the most intelligible things in the world said, we don't know you. Ah, God, they had no knowledge of him. So not only did the mountains not recognize him, those who could in reasonable banter or fashion come to a deduction of logic about a matter didn't recognize him. Again, all the rejection. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Tom, when you come home and you try to reason with someone why they should remember you. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And you say it over and over again. And no matter how much you say it, the reason and the logic don't add up for them to be able to recognize God. Ah, never mind. I know it doesn't matter if one person don't get you, but every day try to live in a world where your wife don't get you, your boss don't get you, your kids don't get you, your neighbor don't get you, your friends don't get you, your enemy don't get you. I'm telling you, it'll bring you down. That's all right, keep on preaching, PC. I might be on my own. He knew, but watch this. Now watch this. This is interesting. Jesus knew of them. And this is what is so troubling, Joy. When we walk into the house, we know them, but they don't know us. That's the troubling part. It is not just that we both have forgotten about everybody. It's not like men in black where Will Smith comes and gives you the, the, the berberator or whatever and makes you forget everything that you saw, but it's that Jesus knew them 
and they didn't know him. What does it feel like to know someone who doesn't know you? To work to know them. You've put in time to know them, but they choose not to do the work to know you back. He planned this whole trip to come to earth from heaven to earth for them and they didn't get it. Wow, that's some rejection. So verse 11 says he came to his own. The text said he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. So first, the first own, watch this now, the first own, he says he came to his own, the first own, the gender of that word is neuter, which means it refers to things. So the text says he came to his own things, neuter. The second own in the text, in the Greek, the gender is masculine, and it refers to his own people, the Jews. Oh, you better study this text, PC. So the text says, in the neuter, he came to his own things. They rejected him, and then he came to his own people, and they rejected him. His own people didn't receive him. The people that he belonged to, the Jews, Jesus, the king of the Jews, he came to his family. They belonged to him, and he belonged to them. It was a common world, and they didn't connect. I'm trying to talk to people who live in a world that you desire connection, and no matter what you do, it's not connecting. Let me talk for a minute to people who are working extra hard to please him or her. But no matter what you're doing, you're being rejected. He don't want you no more. She don't want you no more. The job kicked you to the curb. I want to talk to you. Imagine yourself in a world which you can, you connect with nothing. It amazes me. It amazes me, Latonya, how, uh, um, uh, disconnected we as Christians want to be from the world, yet we want to win it to Christ. We say, I'm not anywhere. I don't want to do nothing what the world people do. I don't want to go to basketball game. I don't want to do this. I don't want to but yet you want to win the world. You got to be in the world. Am I talking to anybody? This is humanity. Humanity is being in a world that don't like you. Humanity is being in a world where people change their feelings on you. Humanity is being in a world where people reject you because you changed. <laughs> but allow me for a moment to talk about the difference between verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says they didn't know him. But verse 11 says they didn't receive him. Oh, you're going to miss it. Verse 10 said they didn't know him. But verse 11 says they didn't receive him. And there are people who not only know you. They don't know you, but they're not even going to receive you. And for the term know, it means that in your world, you want people to know you. In your hood, in your body, in your neighborhood, people know you. If I went back to my old stomping grounds where I was raised, people still on that street would know me. To know means they have had experiences with you you. To know means they have grown to know you. They've gained knowledge about you over time. Oh, it's a terrible
terrible thing to spend years with somebody and then they act like they don't know you. Oh, I'm preaching. That's all right. You ain't going to say amen. They perceive you. They felt you. They sensed your recognition. To know someone means to understand them. No thing or no one knew who Jesus was. Do you get the gravitas, the, the gravity of what I'm saying, that no one or no thing said they knew him when in actuality he, he existed for them. Oh, that's all right, but let's talk about receive. To receive means it's different from knowing. It means to take one side. You can know somebody but still not support them. So it's not just enough to know you. It's more to receive them. So it's different from knowing. It means to believe in. It means to partner with. Can you imagine coming home and telling your family about your new business venture and they know you but they don't believe you. They won't partner with you. They won't support you. They won't stand by you if it don't work. Am I preaching to anybody? I'm talking about even though people know you, they don't want to roll with you. That's alright, I put it in Ebonics. So to believe what one professes to be. In other words, you go home and you tell people, this is who I am. And they say, yeah, you're Smith, but I'm not rolling with you. In other words, they don't believe the you you say you are. And that's the juxtaposition of all of us changing in God. Because people will be quick to say to us, you changed. Yes, I did. You knew me then. What you've got to do now is learn to know the me of now. That's all right. I'm preaching. I'm going to give myself this tape. You accept enough to obey their wishes. When you receive somebody, you listen to them. You are willing to do what they say. You obey them. They are not just known by you, but they are credible to you. That's what I'm talking about. Your life becomes credible. People trust you. People are willing to put their life on the line for you. It is a mental awareness and assimilation of what has been recognized. So in other words, I recognize you enough to know you, but I'll lay my head in your lap to trust you. So if it weren't enough to be recognized, listen, if it weren't enough to be recognized, it is double disheartening to not be believed, to be sided with. So Jesus came to earth and the earth said, we don't know you. And not only do we not know you, we don't believe what you have to say. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Your whole mission at that point is of no use, Cynthia. The whole point of why you came is moot. Why? Because the army you thought that you were getting, they didn't show up to fight. Why? Because they won't follow you. And why won't they follow you? Because they don't believe in you. How many times have you set out to do a thing and you said, I got my brother going to do this, my sister going to do that, my friend going to do that. You show up, get 
getting ready to roll. You set everything up, but ain't nobody there to help you. Have you ever shown up excited to do what God has called you to do? And the people you thought would be excited with you came late. Oh, oh, hit number one. They came, but they're late. In other words, it's not quite as important to you as it is to me. People used to get mad at me because I got mad because they were late. And I'm telling you, every time you come late, it is a testament that you don't believe what I believe. How about not coming late, but when they come unprepared? How about coming to class and you don't have a pen? You don't have paper or you don't have a pencil. That's a slap in the teacher's face. It means you don't take this class. Uh, That's all right. I'm trying to put it in practical enough form to where you don't see Jesus as some esoterical part that you can't relate to. I'm talking about when you go to do something and people come unprepared. How about this, though? When you plan a party and the folk you were counting on don't show up at all. Oh, wow. Jesus walked into the earth ready to be the Messiah that God had called him to be to come to reign as king, set up his kingdom on the earth and the people who were supposed to be by his side rejected him. This is what rejection looks like when you set out for action for God in a world that ignores you and PC's trying to prepare you for the reality of the truth that when you go out there ready to do your thing. Be prepared that the world is going to act like they don't know you. And Romans 1, write this down. Here it is. Shauna, write this in the comments. Read Romans 1. Read it on your own. Read Romans 1. Romans 1 makes it very clear that the more our world rejects the truth, the farther we go back into depravity and immorality. The world that ignores the God who created us will continue to spiral toward destruction. Moral depravity will again set in people and they will choose their own idols and self-indulgences to sin above just simply recognizing God. All we're asking the nation to do is just recognize God again. We used to at least have prayer in school. We had the sense to put in God we trust on the currency. Now we don't care about anything. It's almost like you're a devil if you believe in God. Ain't nobody even respecting preachers and pastors anymore. Nobody says, oh, I'm sorry, Reverend. I'm sorry, Pastor. No, they will cuss and act a fool right in front of you. We have lost our recognition. It's like we're ignoring God and God is right here. I just gotta stay here for a moment. Everybody was crying. We don't have no rain. We don't, we don't have dirt. The, the river drying up. and don't know about the rain. And everybody was falling in uproar. Well, if God loved us, he'd give us some rain. God is in charge of this. And here comes the rain. Now everybody talking about, oh, stop the rain. It ain't too much rain. It's too much. I'm telling you, this is God's world. And God has a plan to make sure it gets what it needs. But you can sit there and act like God ain't in the middle of it. And you can pull out your Doppler and try to predict what the rain is going to do, but God is deciding when he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out the rain. So the Bible says God gave 
slave, the people in Romans 1, over to their wicked ways. And I don't want us to get so far away from God that he turns us over to the wickedness of our own personal indulgences. We've got to learn the idea that our nation must acknowledge God again. And maybe it's not the nation, boo. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need to acknowledge God again. You acknowledge Tyrone. You acknowledge your bank account. All you think about is money. All you think about is family. All you, But you won't acknowledge God. I still say it. Now go to my grave saying it. Put God first. You've got to make sure that you give him the space in your life that is due. Because the more you reject him, the more you're going to fall. And you have to get to a point of understanding the importance of receiving God and receiving others and receiving ourselves. Now let's wrap this up a little bit. Let's see if we can find some hope in point number three. Uh, We all need a little hope. Check out number three. Number three says reception brings power to the world. Reception brings power to the world. So after, watch this now. So after we've experienced living in our own world, and we've learned from a myriad of rejections from the people we know, we now have to embrace the importance of reception as well. It seems a little odd, Tony, that God is asking me to pull my britches up after I've been hurt from the rejection to get myself cleaned up enough to be received. (laughs) Oh, most people quit after they've been rejected. And when you quit, you can't get to the reception. God says, live through the rejection because on the other side of rejection is reception. So I like how John spoke at length about rejection because rejection means separation. That's what I'm talking about. Whenever somebody rejects you, you feel a separation. For a long time, you may have been feeling, you may have been living like you don't belong. Have you ever been in a family and you feel separated? Have you ever been in a marriage and you feel disconnected? Have you ever gone to a school and the group, the the you, the, 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 the everybody knows you group won't let you in it? But reception, while rejection has to do with separation, reception has everything to do with connectivity and belonging. If you can stand somebody separating you, you've got a connectivity that's coming on the other side. So before I talk about receiving, I first have to talk about ownership because the end of verse 11, do you remember, says his own received him not. His own means that he was the owner of that which didn't receive him. Oh, oh, oh. It means that they belonged to him. Oh, God. And whenever there's ownership, there is a level of power or authority that comes with it because it belongs to you. Whenever somebody wants to use my songs, they have to ask me because the copyrights belong to me. So I have the authority to say yes or to say no. So when we talk about reception and belonging, we also have to include 
include ownership. And the reason this matters is because where there is ownership, there can be a transfer of power or ownership. How about this? I own a 1990 Blue Honda Accord. When I have a child, I own the car. I don't lease it. I have the power to give that car to my son. In other words, it no longer belongs to me. It belongs to them. So when there is the world of reception, there is the potential of transfer of power and ownership. And what Jesus came to say is, you dummies, I'm here. I'm here to give you something. I came to give you life, your own life. I came to give you your own existence in humanity. Yet, when I came you rejected me and rejecting me means separating from me it means not only that you rejected me but you rejected my ownership which somebody say ownership which means you can't get what I have to leave as an inheritance the beauty of being an owner in a family is that you can bequeath or leave as an inheritance, whatever material things you want to give to the family. So reception for the Christian is critical to impartation and impact in the world. So if you're going to be a person of action in the world who has something to offer the world, you've got to learn to get past people rejecting you and live in the world of reception because it is in the world of reception where you get the power to transfer what God put in you to give to somebody who needs it. Somebody say amen. So inheritance always pays first though to kindred spirits. Let me talk about it. When there's an inheritance, the inheritance always goes first to kindred spirits. In other words, the ownership isn't transferred to people you don't know. Oh, you're going to miss it. Jesus came to the world. They didn't know him. They didn't receive him. But his inheritance goes first to people who know him. Oh, you're going to miss this. Ownership is transferred to people you know who leaves a will to people they don't know. This only happens when the family has rejected the family. Uh, The only way God doesn't leave it to the family is because the family has rejected the God who created. In other words, you're telling your daddy who birthed you that you are not going to cooperate with the family. And so the daddy says, well, then you don't get what I have to offer. In other words, what you're doing is you're telling the parent that I'm going to live my life my way. And that's why some wills are designed to say, if you get this money, boy, you're going to have to go to college. You're going to have to go. So still, even when daddy's dead, he's directing your prosperity from a piece of paper. And I came to tell you that from a piece of paper, God is directing our lives and saying, if you live by this book, I've got 
got an inheritance that's waiting on you and I've got the power to transfer it to it if when I come to you, you know me and you receive me. Somebody say preach PC. And so Jesus, who came to be the Messiah to the Jews, changes his will, changes his will to say now, whosoever believeth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is no longer just the Jew that I bring it to. He says, y'all rejected me, so I'm opening the inheritance to who. So somebody ought to say, thank you for whosoever. But in essence, what he said, here's what the slide actually says. In verse number 12, he says, but as many as many as received him to them he gave what the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name but look at 13 he says who were born not of blood we ain't talking about your blood family nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God people who are born into the family of God so the text says in verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, he gave power to be children, to be recipients of his wealth of life. Jesus came to give eternal life. He says, I came to give life and that more abundantly. But the reason we aren't living in abundance is because people every day keep ignoring and rejecting the God who created and saved them. So right, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> to be recipients of the wealth of his life, we must be believers in Jesus the Christ. Jesus came to give eternal life. And so believing and receiving go hand in hand. And that's why believing has to do with the knowledge of God. Receiving has to do with our faith in him and being able to accept eternal life. So when we say we believe in Christ, we also receive him in our hearts. That's why Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, with, with, the, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and the heart believeth unto righteousness because there is assimilation, there is an agreement of when you believe, there is also a receiving. So when you walk by faith, when you learn how to understand, when you're confident and believe who God called you to be, you better open up your world to start receiving because it's the person who believes in God where God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing in which you don't have room enough to restore, receive it. So those who would reject him would receive nothing. You ain't going to get nothing in this family if you reject what the family preaches. I say that again. You ain't going to get nothing from this family if you live your life apart from how the family is supposed to live. Those who would receive him though would receive everything we get the inheritance reception has the power to transfer blessing so receiving is what makes home home when your mama receives you you feel at home when your daddy receives you you feel at home when your siblings receive you you feel at home but when your siblings reject you that ain't home no more when your mama 
Lord don't want you, that ain't home no more. When your husband has left you, that ain't home no more. That's all right, say ouch if I got you. But the truth is the truth. Facts, I'm giving receipts. Cutting ties with the lies. When we learn the power of receiving one another, we learn the power of becoming family. When we learn the truth and the, the, the conditions and the benefit of receiving one another, that's when we become the family. And so how perfect did we begin the service talking about the family of BFC? You know why we family? Because we receive one another. I receive Cynthia. I receive Lil Ben and Lil Ben receives me. We've had some tiffs. Me and Sean have had some tiffs. Lord knows me and Joy had some tiffs, but we receive one another. That's what makes family family. I told my little son one day in the back of the car, he was just a cutting up and he was saying all these things, horrible things about me. Oh, I'm mad. I can't stand you. Blah, blah, blah. I said, that's all right. When you finish, we still going to be family because you can't stop the blood. And it's the blood that runs warm in our vein that makes us family. It makes us family, Lou. We receive one another. I receive Toby. I receive the fox on the porch, Chris. I receive you, Tony, and you receive me. We ain't doing church on Sunday if we don't receive one another. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And if we're going to be in this world together, then why not be in it as family? It amazes me, Joy, how religion has such power to bring people together, but not enough power to keep us together. Why? Because our worlds change and we no longer receive those who change from who we are. Good old well-meaning religious folks say we're coming together to serve the same God. But once I start growing spiritually or once I start falling off in deterioration, you no longer want nothing to do with me. And religion has the power to bring us together, but it's lacks greatly in keeping us together. But in reality, reality, in reality, Tom Gator, man, my world is your world. Oh, yes, your world is my world. This land is our land. There is no different earth I live upon. I get wet with the same rain you get wet with. I I inhale the same sun rays that you inhale. And in verse 13, it makes it clear that we are not family because we come from the same neighborhood. We're family because we believe the same things and we receive the same God. I'm so tired of people who think they're super spiritual and they live on some other planet than everybody else. You crazy? You got to pay bills just like me. You got to pay taxes just like me. Your car runs out of gas just like me. Your poops stink just like me. All these spiritually deep people. Who about me and my wife, we don't argue. We don't have no problems. We don't never struggle. That's a lie. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses and problems. And it's better if we learn in humanity that we might be rejected for telling the truth. But if you can get on the other side of rejection, people, there's a reception waiting for you with the transfer of power. This family is spiritual because we're born of God. 
Some people worship from Idaho. Some people worship in Indianapolis. Some people up in Vegas. Some people in LA. Some people up in Claremont. Some people in Ontario. We all from all over places, but it's not about logistics or geographic areas. It's about spiritual bornness. And we all profess to be born of God. So in our human world, we have differences, but our spiritual world has the power to still unite us when we learn the power of reception. So if we could but learn that the brown, the yellow, and the blue skin has much to offer us, our world would be a better place. It is the synergy in the world of constant receiving and rejecting that causes our light to flicker. Yes, our lights go up and down. Yes, because the people we put our trust in let us down. Yes, we start out strong, but we trip and we make a mistake and the light that was shining bright flickers. Take me to camera two. (laughs) And if you look at the screen, you'll see the camera, you'll see the candle. And the candle is flickering, the lights flicker. The lights are flickering because the light can't hold the steadiness because the winds are blowing. And so all I'm trying to say is that when life winds blow, your life flickers and you have to be able to stand the tests of time. It is this flickering that makes us human. We're never fully on, but we're never fully out. Come on, somebody. I'm not perfect. I'm not always on, but I'm not always off either. This is how the world at this time functions until the rejected one comes again. We live in a world that's sometimes on and sometimes off. I marvel that after 9-11, how the world came together in patriotism and how we stood together was no Republican or Democrat or Independent. We were just one people. I'm telling you, things happen in our life that put us on this plane of ups and downs until the rejected one comes again. And what I'm trying to teach you today is that rejection and reception go hand in hand. And no man can exist fully rejected forever. At some point, somebody's got to receive you. And I'm saying to somebody who's been feeling rejected for a long time, if you're home Hold on at some point. Reception is coming. It is the cycle of life. With every rejection come, with every fall from a rejection comes the rise of reception. So because as stated, as stated by the late poet John Donne in the 17th century, he said, no man is an island to himself. We all are part of the main. Humanity exists within a created world that was created to function for the creator. Cue the music. Here we are. Verse 13 gives us this reality, but we come to verse 14. And so John says in 14, the word became flesh. The word became humanity. And it dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. We saw his glory. He came among us. We saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so now, I say to you, and so John crescendos with a sonorous bellowing of the perfection of human existence 
put on display by Jesus himself. Amidst such horrid rejection and life-calming reception by saying, And the word became flesh. Put it on the screen again. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amidst our rejection and still we were able to see his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. This human being reshaped. He reshaped humanity. Formed in the midst of a chaotic world. With implications of impact and change. A deference to a higher being in a world that thought itself was the highest. The word became flesh. The God who was above all of us and owned all of us reduced himself to us. To say, I came to give you life. And what makes this new representation of humanity so different is that it is representative of the fullness of God's glory, which comes full of grace and truth. Do you remember truth? Cut ties with the lies. That humanity must learn to embrace truth if we're going to live in the glory of God. Truth is needed to be human, and the truthful human gives glory to God. But in our best esteem, we fail. And in our pursuit of truth, we have to be full of grace as well. Because mistake after mistake makes me human. But grace after grace makes me forgiven. It's the grace of God that forgives me mistake after mistake. So I can one day walk in the fullness of his truth. Which at some point must become my truth. In that dying flesh, Jesus housed truth and grace. The sickness and the anecdote all wrapped up in one. This is humanity. He tented among us. He dwelt among us. The Greek word says he tabernacled among us. Meaning he was temporarily with us. And the glory in the Old Testament shows that he shined like a light in a tent that was erected from city to city. Israel tabernacled until the temple was built. The temporary prevailed until the permanent could stand. I'm telling you. The rejection is temporary, but the reception is permanent. Jesus became temporary so we could become permanent. And amidst this human, we could see a hope. We could see a glory. We could see a shine amidst the darkness. The super among the natural. The fixed among the broken. The received among the rejected. The healed among the hurting. The lost among the found. And in this presence, as a human, came grace 
and truth to mankind. Being human is a gift to this world. Don't you see it? That Jesus brought grace and truth in the form of a human. It is our humanity that gives people hope. But we must know ourselves and accept ourselves in order to be received by others. And accepting yourselves comes amidst a slew of initial rejections. But if you can get past the rejections, one day you too will see the receptions. Because now you have accepted yourself first. The text says amidst all those who knew him not, nor received him, there were yet those who did believe For verse 14, verse 13, it talked about for as many as did receive him. Woo! (laughs) To them gave he power. In the midst of a myriad of rejections, there's always a group in there who will receive you. So stay faithful, child of God. Just because the majority says no, all you need is one yes. And it was to them that he gave the power to join the family business, to act on his behalf in a world that rejected him because just like it rejected him, it's going to reject you. But I came to tell you, keep living. Someone out there will receive your humanity. You single people, there's somebody out there who wants you just for you. When they get you, it is your humanity. It is the realness of who you are that gives life to them. Tom, keep being who you are. Latanya, keep being who you are. PC, keep being who you are. Don't change for nobody. Change only for God. Because when people receive you for who you are, you can give life to who they are. Yes, Jesus Christ, what was old and just a promise is now here. Visible and tangible to all who will receive or believe him. And when we believed, when we said yes to Jesus, guess what happened? Jesus took our flesh and filled it with himself. He put the Holy Spirit in us and gave us power to give life to other people. And I challenge you today to take yourself amidst all the rejections of life and fill yourself with Christ And you will learn the power of reception. And I leave you, Mama Cain, with this power of reception. Reception. Do you know why weddings have receptions? Do you know why weddings conclude with a reception? Receptions are hailed so that the people involved in the wedding can openly show and say, we receive what just happened. Mm -hmm. 
The wedding reception says, we agree with you two being married. It is to agree, it is to welcome the two newlyweds in our world. And that's why the DJ says at the reception, he says, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. In other words, receive them. That's what a reading reception is. And that's why we have receiving lines in life. We receive the things that happen because it is the power of reception that gives us power to live. The reception is to say, well done. The reception is to say, I believe in y'all being married. I believe in y'all and I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to support you. When I hear some negativity, I'm not going to spread it as gossip because today I'm in your reception. If you were at anybody's reception and you received them, but you did stuff to tear them apart, shame on you. We go to receptions to say we standing strong with you. To say, well done. I believe in you. I have room in my world for what just happened. You're no longer my single partner. You're my homie. And now when we go out, I have a responsibility to make sure you don't cheat. You're my best friend, but I was at your reception. (laughs) And because I was at your reception, I'm going to make sure you win. Look at the boy on the picture. As he looks at the world from afar on a map, the whole world is waiting for the opportunity of reception. Where? Where do you fit in? Let us learn to practice and hold more receptions in our lives instead of rejections. Has anyone ever been to a wedding rejection? No one goes to a wedding rejection. They don't have them. But we must plan more receptions in our lives. In a world full of rejection, I know someone would be happy if you came into their lives to throw them a reception. Because there is power in being human enough to receive one another. I'm PC. And that's all I've got. <laughs>